I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From 104.7 WHUPLP Hillsborough, this is She and Her. I'm Sandra Davidson. And I am Anita Rao. So, Adita, what's going on? So what about your screen time? Let's do a little check-in about that. Oh, well, I got a new phone that it's causing me a lot of anxiety because it cannot hold a call for more than about a 20 seconds. So, so we learned today <laughs> when we were... Um, so I don't know whether it's accurately gauging my screen time, but I can give you an update. For those of you who are new listeners, we are currently in a... I don't want to say competition, although I feel like it has to be... It feels like that way for me to stay engaged with it. A challenge. We're trying to have... The amount of time we look at our phones. Down to two hours. Okay, mine since Monday when I got this phone has been an average of two hours, 46 minutes. Okay. Which is, which is low. Which is lower than it has been. Okay. But it's only been three days. All right. Two hours and seven minutes. Nice. Down 6% from last week. Okay. It's still... T- I've been so compulsive about it, though. Yeah. There's there's not been a lot... No, never mind. It's up 3%. It's up 3%. <laughs> three hours and 13 a day. Okay. Slow it's progress. Well, you know, midterms. Yeah. Blame it on the news cycle. There you go. Well, anyways, without further ado, tonight we have a special, special guest in studio. So for this season, as Anita and I have mentioned, we have pivoted away from doing some of our more... Um, magazine style episodes and we're just doing interview driven shows with people in our community who are really curious about how they live their life and what they do with their life and how they make stuff happen and stay sane and healthy and happy and tonight we have on our show heather cook who is a durhamite like anita and myself now i can claim that yeah and heather is a community organizer, freelancer, writer, mama, and all-around amazing human being. And we are thrilled to welcome her to She and Her. Hello, Heather. Hi. Thanks for having me. So um, I first met you, I think, at your house when you were hosting a fundraiser for Habitat for Humanity. And then... Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then our universes continue to overlap because we both are working in the arts in different kinds of way and I know that I guess in the last year or so you have really been 
out on your own as a freelancer. So I think I would just like to begin by having you tell the people what it is that you do. (laughs) I'm actually in the process right now of designing business cards. And one of the things that I'm getting caught up on is what to actually put as my title and how (laughs) to describe what I do. So I haven't really landed on that. So maybe we can work on that. We can workshop that together. Yeah. So I think the core of what I do right now is what I would consider a mix of artist advocacy and community alchemy. So just taking creatives that I see out in our community and making sure that they are connected in the right way to people that I know that have resources, spaces that can put programming on, funding, jobs, um, and just coming up with creative ways to celebrate the people, especially in Durham, we have such a rich creative community. So I'm just constantly coming up with wild ways to build more intersections with the people in the visual arts and the performing arts and food makers and makers of all kinds. I hear you've been making kombucha. So maybe oh, I can oh, yes, I have. Rope you into. Yes, I am. Uh, yes. She's looking for a spot at the Durham Farmers Market. I heard. Yeah, exactly. I heard. We might need to do an event centered around your your new hobby. I'm ready to go big. Yeah. Eight bottles in, I think I'm, I'm ready. So walk us through a day in the life of Heather Cook at... On the job, at mm, work. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I'm sure it changes every day. So you It know. does change. And as of late, it's been, as of the last week, it's shifted in a very lovely way. Um, my husband, Phil, is a touring musician and is gone a lot. So I think he's been gone, I think, in total, maybe like eight out of the last 12 months. Not wow. all at once, but just like cumulatively. Um, so we have two kids. So when that's happening, our world is a little bit crazier. So I am newly embracing the five-day work week where I have, you know, drop the kids off at 8.30 and I have until whenever I want to come home to get things done. And then I'm trying right now to find, this is another thing we could workshop. I'd love to hear suggestions (laughs) and ideas, trying to find balance between like, how many days a week I can have meetings and how many days a week I can sit and just work on things. Oh, my and, God. Yeah, um, we need to have a support group comment about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think the thing I'm realizing, too, is, like, with every meeting, then I always walk away with, like, I've committed to doing 10 things yes. in that meeting, so now I've got to go back and add that to my to-do list. Well, and you said that, Phil, your partner is not, or is, is touring musician, mm-hmm. so what does that mean for your life and your it's bonkers it's bonkers (laughs) like sometimes it's fine like so he's just home now and for that first week there's definitely like oh you're in my space i gotta talk to you i gotta pay attention to you so i like lose all these chunks of time that i used to have it's like i love him and i'm really excited but i'm like oh i i need to hang out with you now and i used to just go and get my work done (laughs) go for a walk with um, I can totally relate to that. Yeah. When ben gets off like an 80 hour a week schedule. I'm like, but I had a kind of had a routine. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that he has the same thing, right? Like he has his whole own thing on tour and he's mostly responsible for himself. And all of a sudden he comes home and I'm like, here's everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've been together for, we've been married for a little over 10 years. I think we've been together for like 15 years. And he was a touring musician when we started. It wasn't as much, but we've like slowly grown to the like, this has been the most bonkers year because he's on so many projects. Um, So I think we've 
figured it out a little bit, but it's just crazy. It's just crazy. So, okay. So sometimes I talk about this with my friends when I imagine life with babies. Um, I feel like I have to, cause I have a partner who's going to be working a lot or like, yeah, that's basically the reality of my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no other way around saying it. And so I'm always like, I need to live like on the same street as somebody that I know who we can just do some childcare swapping, like co-management of families. Do you feel like, Oh yeah. Our, com- our, our family community is like incredible Mm -hmm. so and it's it's our friends that have kids and our friends that don't have kids it's like honestly the friends that don't have kids are sometimes even more powerful because they're not sick of the whole gig yet they're like they're like come over hang out with them they're so much fun um but yeah we have i mean like all the almost all of the artists that phil tours with are all dads (laughs) we make a lot of joke about the dad bands um (laughs) but so there's also this like contingency we call ourselves the tour wives um (laughs) and so uh, we all kind of share there's a text thread there's a you know a sort of loose support group of like here i'm dumping my kids off like mike taylor's wife abby and i have this great routine on like saturdays and sundays when they're on long hauls we just like kid swap on like saturday morning just to do the boring shit, just to like go grocery shopping. Um, but then she'll go grocery shopping and then she'll come back, tag in, I'll go grocery shopping. Totally. And it's just like That's awesome. total survival about. stuff. Yeah. Yes. But it's so, it's so easy once you, I don't know, once you ask for help and once you are ready to mm-hmm. share in that with other people, it's good. Yeah. We have a lot of that. Yeah. I definitely would want that in my, my future circumstance because I don't want, well, first of all, I don't have to pay for somebody all the time taking care of youngins. But also, yeah. I'd rather it be people that love me and my family mm-hmm. doing that, which, you know, I grew up in a rural place. So I always had like I was always staying with other family. Yeah, like, that was my. Situation, yeah. But yeah. Like, I grew up a lot knowing a lot of my parents' friends as like aunts and uncles. Like mm-hmm. I thought they were until a certain age when they're like, well, technically they're not. But you can call them <laughs> that if you want to. Yeah. It's a good way to grow up. Yes. Agree. So what are you coming at this work from? I guess tell us a bit about your background up until. Yeah, it makes no sense in some (laughs) ways. Um, So my undergrad work was in English as a second language and elementary education. Spent about a decade teaching in public schools. Did everything from middle school and high school ESL to... um, fifth grade, did my longest stint in fifth grade, and then I helped a charter school in Durham start their library program. So I opened a library in their school um, and ran it for a couple years, which was really fun. And then um, had a kid and started doing freelance work um, in wedding planning, (laughs) which went back to like when I was in college, I worked at this really lovely floral shop and got to like go out and do special events and stuff. So I had um, an affection for that work. But then after a few years of doing wedding planning, realized that that's a a weird Mm -hmm. industry. Mm -hmm. Um, I know a lot of people who feel that way about wedding photography. Yeah. Even. Yeah. It's, I enjoyed it. And I honestly, except for one instance, which I like actually quit on a client midstream, like three months before their wedding. 
everybody else I had was lovely. Like I really lucked out, and I think it was I was working mostly with a Hall River Ballroom, which nice. I think attracts a very specific type of wedding client that aren't going to be really high maintenance or bougie. Um, but yeah, so then I think that's where I got really my education on event coordination in general, which it's kind of like if you can survive three years of planning and coordinating weddings, you can translate that to doing fundraisers for local nonprofits mm-hmm. really easily and translate that to throwing benefit concerts and working on festivals and stuff like that. So so how did this, this version of your um, job life materialize? So because... So I know you to be working on a project around a church of the arts in Durham. I know you also to be working with the Durham Hotel on activating their lobby sort of as like a community living room. I mean, maybe. Is that? CLR. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Those are the the, pinhook, right? And the pinhook. Yep. I do marketing and promotions. Kim and I have been collaborating. Um, Kim, the pinhook owner, and I have been collaborating for a decade now. And they just do an incredible job of employing all the rad queer people in Durham. So it's just kind of this like epicenter for the queer community. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So you've been in Durham for 10 years now, a little more than a little more than that. Okay. Yeah. 11 going on 12, I think. Yeah. And what is it? How would you articulate sort of your feeling about the city, um, where it is now and sort of your relationship to it uh, as a creative person and a person in the arts? I think it's in a really vulnerable spot right now. Um, And I think that's why I'm maybe feeling a little more emboldened and passionate about protecting and celebrating and pushing out some of the people's work that I'm pushing out is that, you know, we're one of those places that everybody's writing about and everybody's talking about Mm. and they're showing all the bright, shiny pictures. And then all of a sudden people show up. And if that's all they know about is the fancy restaurants and the fancy art venues, then that's all they're going to patron and that's all they're going to go see. And so it feels it feels like we're at a critical point where if we make sure that the artists that have been here, that have built the foundation, that are doing the work um, get celebrated and get amplified, that we can really like... I don't think people are just choosing Durham like randomly. Nobody's like reading the New York Times article is like, I'm going to Durham. You know what I mean? Like there's something about the place that it feels like even if they're not there yet, we can move them to appreciating all of 
the beauty and the complexity because it is not it is an imperfect city there's a lot of hurt and trouble and things that haven't been repaired from its past um that if we make sure everybody knows that that's coming here i think we have a chance to make it to keep that thread and to keep that characteristic and that energy going but it's also really it feels really scary with a lot of people coming in like hey wait do you do you know about the pinhook or like do you know about hey tide do you know about like all these incredible creative spaces that if they go underappreciated and the tax bracket goes up people mm-hmm. are going to get priced out and not be able to afford to continue to do the work they're doing will you talk about how you are working on addressing some of those things in your own work yeah Um, I mean, I certainly don't have solutions to it, but I'm a part of a couple of groups that are examining it from like a big wide angle. There's this really cool meetup group that's uh, centered around arts and sustainability in Durham. Um, It was headed up by Laura Ritchie and Sabotage. Sabotage is the new director of the Carrick and Laura is the former director. Um, Monet Marshall, who's an amazing performance artist. Mm -hmm. Um, she's and, on next week. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Yes. She's incredible. Um, so it's them and some other people too. I can't angel Dozier, who's an events producer. Um, they started this group up. And so the first thing was just a backyard cookout where we all got together. But then one of the last meetings that I went to, it's just a really clear analysis of like, okay, we're all here. We're all doing this work. Like, what does this community need? How do we make sure that the right people know? And what's cool is that they've done this great job of inviting people that are players in American Underground and are players in the city government and are players in some of the like bigger institutions that have resources, that have capacities to make decisions that can impact the sustainability of the arts scene in Durham. So I think that's probably the biggest thing that I feel like I'm specifically doing is participating mm-hmm. and listening in those conversations. Um, the work with the Church of the Arts is really exciting, but it's not it's not quite happening yet. So okay. I feel like I can't like claim that that's doing the work yet. Right. But do you want to talk soon. a little bit about what the idea of that is? Are we in yeah. a place where we can do? Yeah. That? Okay. Yeah. I don't have my pitch fully polished okay. yet, but I the the essence of the church is it's this little 1930s. Um, gothic church on the corner of Gear and North Street, and it's going to open as North Star Church of the Arts. Um, it's owned by the Freelon family. Um, Phil Freelon is a world-renowned, incredible architect, designed the African American History Museum at D.C., um, among many other incredible things. And then Nina is uh, a incredible singer, mama, grandma, community activist um and i met them through their son pierce who's also an artist they come from an amazing family of creatives um and it was this weird synergy of i had seen the church got listed for sale and phil and i have always talked about like he needs a studio we have an 11 hundred square foot house and two kids and two dogs and all of his instruments and so we're always like let's get you an extra space so that we're not covered in guitar cases um but also just knowing that a lot of people in our community also are like rehearsing in their living rooms and like 
pushing everything to the walls for band rehearsal and like disrupting their family to do that. And, um, and I think now since we had that dream, there's been more recording studios that have started too, mm-hmm. but like there was also, and still is a need for intimate and special recording studios. Um, so we kind of explored the idea of going after this church and it was crazy expensive. Um, so we were like courting with some people that could maybe invest in it and, I had this guy who is a really lovely man who I'd known for a long time who said, like, hey, if you ever have an idea and all you need is a building, I'll buy it for you. And I was like, okay. Mm. But I was like, maybe we should take him to see the church. So we pulled up to see the church. And, like, the minute we got there, the realtor was like, went under contract this morning. No And I was like, oh, man. But, like, in my, like, witchiness was like, okay. This is the universe saying this isn't the right thing. Like, this isn't what we need to be doing. But in my heart, I was like, if somebody is buying this and turning it into a loft, I am going to flip out. (laughs) Like, this is not, you know what I mean? This is a beautiful space in this beautiful part of town. So then fast forward to like a week later, Pierce calls me up to have coffee because he's about to launch his mayoral campaign. And he's like, oh, yeah, my parents bought this church up the street. And I was like, what? This is perfect. I was like, what are they going to do with it? He was like, you know, it's going to be my campaign headquarters for the campaign. He's like, but they don't really know yet. We might use it for black space. We might do some events. You should talk to them. And I was like, yes, (laughs) let's do that. That's really beautiful. So then, yeah. So then Nina and I had drinks or coffee or something and um we had worked together on a couple other things we have some crazy we have the same birthday we both are married to phil's (laughs) um and we are very we are painfully similar um but we have a really really great time collaborating so we have been dreaming along with the whole family on this church that's um going to be a it is going to be a church sunday services programming centered around exploring the intersection between creativity and spirituality i cannot wait yeah i'm so stoked about it this. yeah it's incredible yeah because it's, i've always told people that i want a place like that that's not denominational and that is like multi-faceted and multi-discipline i think people are going to show up and y'all are gonna have to turn people away at the door well we've yeah we've already explored like okay so what does it look like if we do like programming somewhere in a bigger space that's like north star branded but not in this yeah because it's a little tiny yeah yeah so good so evocative yeah um what was i gonna say oh so the space itself one of the things that's really cool is when it was originally built, it was built for the first church of the deaf in North Carolina. So it had this whole value system of like serving underserved people. And so I think that's some energy that we want to carry forward. Positively imbued space. Hmm. It is. I don't always feel that way when I walk into churches and, (laughs) and I, you know, even in the early onset when the conversation went from, we're not going to, turn this into just a venue we are going to actually operate this as a church i was like am i fully on board with that idea like i had to do some soul searching and thinking about it and really when it comes around to it like when i think about the things that are the most spiritual experiences i've had they are encounters with art and they are Mm -hmm. concerts that i've been to Mm -hmm. and visual arts and performances that i've seen so this collective group experiences too Mm -hmm. like having that experience in a collective i that's i used to so I didn't grow up in a religious family. My dad is self-described re- recovering Catholic, <laughs> but he, I used to 
go to youth group all the time when I was in high school. Because you got to go on all the cool trips. You got to go on trips, and you got to hang out with all your friends. And I thought There's a lot about that. There's some boys in youth group, too. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> that may be true. <laughs> but I always, I, I used to look back on that time, and I was like, God, I was really happy then, but it wasn't that I was reading the entire New Testament, which I did, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was that I was hanging out with a group of people who were interested in being in service to their community mm-hmm. and they were actively engaging in the value and having both literally and then in dialogue with the values that they wanted to live and manifest in their life. Yeah. And so I think who can't get behind that? I yeah. know. So I'm like I said, I'm really excited about that. There's project. a really cool study out of the Harvard Divinity School that is a very dry read, but is interesting. <laughs> no. Consi- yeah. <laughs> considering the work that I'm doing, I was very compelled to read it. But it talks about how millennials and kind of the generation above and below really have sort of slipped away from the church and that the small churches are dying out. Um, And it points to all these different studies of different spaces where people of those generations are finding community. And like one of the whole things was this deep dive into like why CrossFit is successful with that age demographic is because it provides all those same senses of belonging and accountability and shared values and shared goals and working together to get them. But it's like, yeah. So to me, going to concerts and sharing and creativity and I don't know also like art is all about your it's all in your feelings too mm-hmm. so you're just like emoting and sharing in other people's emotions and understanding how they're processing the world and I feel like we need a lot of ways to process the world right now yes so what does it mean for you on kind of a daily or weekly practical basis to be living your values like how do you think about that balancing kind of your responsibilities and the work that you enjoy and the phase of life that you're in right now. Yeah. Um, (laughs) mm, mm. Simple questions. Yeah. Just small. (laughs) Well, it's also just like, am I living my values? (laughs) Like really like thinking about that. Um, I think lately it's been about, being a good listener and being open to seeing what people and specifically like the Durham community's needs are and just being aware and sort of placing that ahead of any ideas that I have. Cause mm. I'm an ideas driven person. Like I could get highly caffeinated and very <laughs> excited about like, oh, let's do all this and do all this and then not check like, is this even worth doing? Is this a conversation that people want to be a part of? Is this something that is actually adding value to the community? So I think that's the biggest piece. But I I feel like I've just come to understand that in the last couple of years. Hmm. Like I've been a a go-getter for a long time, but understanding that like, Go getting just because you had this idea back here is not always what you need to be doing. You might need to slow down and some might, listen to other some people. Some might call that maturity. <laughs> is that what it is? I don't know. I sometimes I Are think you calling so. me old. No, no, I call you wise. I mean, I feel like, like no, just kidding. <laughs> I, I wish I was wise. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's it. But I feel I I think that is a well. It's sort of like especially with any kind of community driven project, you see a lot of like, here's this great idea that we think will cause this to happen in our community. But if there's not that grassroots actual 
interrogation of that idea and community building around what's what you're building, then it's not likely going to be... Well, and the dr- the drive of where that idea is originating is the thing that I think... I think some of the work that I did in nonprofits early on really, like, mm. caught me and taught me, like, just because these people are doing good and saying that they're doing things that are helping other people doesn't always mean that this is exactly what these people or this community needs or wants. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you got to pan out and look and listen and... I don't know. I just feel like that's a really important thing. And it's like at the forefront of my radar. Now, when I see people that are, it's almost like there's this complex of like, but I'm, but I'm helping. Right. right? I'm, but I'm giving, I'm doing these things. And it's like, okay, that's good. But do you know what mm-hmm. your community actually needs? Or are you just like doing the thing that's like the easiest button to give to or donate to or support? Not that those things are bad, but right. I think if I'm in the work of community organizing and if I'm claiming that as part of my work, I think being a good listener to what people need is really important. Yes, I agree. So at this phase of your career and life, what advice would you have to 29-year-old somethings <laughs> or late 20-somethings or people... Less wise. Less wise. Less wise than me. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, boundaries. Mm. <laughs> I think um, specifically as women, we have the tendency to be like, yeah, I can do that. Of course. Yeah, I'll take that on. Like, just like walk into a scene and assess that there's like four things that are undone that need doing that, you know, you have the capacity to do in doing it. Um, and then burning out. And so I think boundaries are really important, both for yourself and like saying no, you know, that act of saying no and turning things down that seem like really incredible opportunities or for really wonderful people, but you just simply don't have the space on your plate. There are people that get amplified and highlighted that take on a lot. And and I think those people are worthy of celebrating. But sometimes I look I look at those stories and I'm like, I don't know, man, I think we're pushing that message that it's okay to just work, 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 and have a thousand titles behind your name and a thousand projects underneath you and have people be in awe of you where it's like, what if you just did one thing really well that was really powerful and didn't have to scramble and didn't have to feel crazy? So yeah, boundaries. I love it. All right, we're out of time. Yeah, we did it. We did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, thanks for having me. Heather Cook on She and Her. Heather, where can people find you and find your work and follow mm. along? Um, on the internet as Heather Ann Cook. Okay. Yeah. Great. That's the best way. All right. Well, we'll, we'll keep an eye out for those business cards. Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Titled to be determined. I like Creative Alchemist. That's strong. Yeah. Okay. It's very, like, it, it's intriguing. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, She and Her is a podcast and radio show produced, written, <laughs> directed, <laughs> edited. <laughs> We've been saying written all season, which we love. Yes. <laughs> so scripted. Very by, scripted. Yes. Um, by me, Sandra Davidson, and me, Anita Rao. We are recorded at the studios of WA2PLP in Hillsborough. And you can find us on the internet, sheandherradio.com. 
We are on Instagram, Facebook, and we're no longer we say on Twitter, Twitter, but we're I mean, not. we're not. It's we're too not. hard. Twitter is you know too what? overwhelming. We got to take it off our plate. That's our, you know, our boundary setting yeah. is Twitter. Done. We don't do Twitter. Bye, Twitter. Yes. So there you go. <laughs> All uh, right. See you guys soon. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.